0: The Heather McCoy Show. You won't be offended. I just ran the wrong disclaimer. It's actually the views and opinions of these guests are not necessarily those of the UCI uh, Board of Regents or the staff of management at KUCI. Welcome to the Heather McCoy Show. Uh, Joining me online is Neil DeMoss. He runs the website, filltheschemes.com. Welcome to the show, Neil.
1: So wait, am I supposed to not be offended, or am I supposed to not offend anyone?
0: I've lost track. Oh yeah, it's it's it's, it's the two are just kind of hard to interchangeable. It's hard to tell. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> okay, you'll do your best. Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, went over to Col- uh, Concord. To take a look at the old Concord Naval Weapons Station as a potential site for the Raiders. However, he has stated that he only wants to build a new stadium if it can be in the exact same place as the old one. Leverage wise, I'm surprised his visit journey- generated any headlines since he seems pretty dead set on a specific site. Where does that leave the A's? And I should say, and where does that leave the A's if Mark Davis does succeed in building the Coliseum on top of the old site of the Coliseum?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that this whole Concord thing is, you know. I, he, <laughs> The saying, as he did, that he only wants to build on the Coliseum site obviously pens in Oakland very nicely and to, you know says to them, okay, here's what I want, you have to give it to me or else. But then there needs to be an or else, right? Yeah. So, you know, um, and threatening to move to L.A. isn't working very well these days because L.A. is making no progress at all at building uh, football stadiums, given that they're going to cost such a ridiculous amount of money and L.A. itself doesn't want to pay. So, where are you going to threaten to? So, you know, hey, it's a quick BART ride out to Concord, <laughs> and, uh, you know, spend an afternoon there, look at a naval station, and uh, come back and then find all the headlines say, Raiders might be moving to Concord. So that's, that's an easy way to do it. Um, where does it leave the A's? I mean, it, it's kind of up to Oakland at this point, right? I mean, they do have some leverage in that the A's and Raiders have to play somewhere. Um, and if the Raiders are looking for some money towards a stadium, which presumably they are, then it's possible to attach strings and say, well, perhaps not on the exact site of the Oakland Coliseum. How about in the parking lot? Um, Or how about, you know, we find some way of of making this work around whatever the the A's schedule is. I, I think at this point everything is still completely up in the air. Um, you know the Raiders are jockeying for position. The A's obviously are jockeying for position while hoping that either Bud Selig or whoever comes after him makes some decision about uh, about the San Jose territorial rights. Um, and I don't think I think I think it's way too soon. Everybody gets really excited about oh the leases are expiring, the leases are expiring. Um, but you know they're going to need to extend the leases regardless um, because they're not going to have stadiums built in the next year. So, um, you know, I think this is all sort of very, very early, um, you know, very early stuff on, uh, on how, uh, you know, we're trying to... Get they're trying to get better position in terms of you know figuring out leverage, not necessarily uh, a matter of you know what the deal is going to look like in the end.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing how much more complicated it gets when two teams that are major tenants are you know share the same place.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sort of the last situation like that, right? Because yeah. most of those multi-purpose uh, stadiums have you know gone by the boards.
0: Yeah, so um, I was just wondering, does it propose to Coliseum City that gets floated out there every once in a while? If, does that get funding from the private sector, or is that something where it's not a feasible plan, so the public sector Coliseum is going Coliseum City? Um, yeah. No one
1: knows, you know? I mean, that's the thing. There are all these plans sort of floating around, and Coliseum City has this, you know, uh, supposed investor, you know, developer that's looking at, at being involved with it. But, um, you know, it's unfortunately the way these things sort of go is that early in the process, um, everybody talks about, you know, where are you going to build something, what are you going to do, and then only once it's sort of been settled on, um, does everybody say, oh wait, and who's going to pay for it? Um, and I think we're not up to the, oh wait, and who's going to pay for it stage yet.
0: Yeah, one of the weird things with the Coliseum City is I saw on your website that the Golden State Warriors name came up in connection with the possible Coliseum City plan. I thought they were working on playing basketball in a pier in San Francisco
1: working on playing basketball and the pier in san francisco and i don't think anybody particularly asked them whether or not they were on board with the city <laughs> plan um but you know oakland is going full steam ahead there's going to build baseball and football stadiums and a basketball arena and heck you know let's build a hockey arena too why not you know um lacrosse there's plenty of sports out there um you know again this is this is all just just you know, drawings on, I was going to say on pieces of paper, but really it's you know renderings on a computer screen somewhere. Yeah. Um, and what it actually winds up coming down to is is likely to look very, very different from this.
0: Yeah. Um, last week we talked about the low ball price that Boston was willing to accept from the Red Sox for the continued use of Yali Wave for their street fairs on the days of Red Sox games. At least Boston was getting some money for that concession. It turns out that in Chicago, Rahm Emanuel is letting the Cubs expand the Wrigley Field uh, the bleachers, ten feet out for nothing. I thought Ricketts and Emmanuel disliked each other, or has the city of Chicago has been a coffin for Emanuel's political career? Is this a sign he just doesn't care anymore?
1: Um, you know, I don't, I think he, Emmanuel has a real stake in wanting to be able to say that he got something done for the Cubs, you know, and he did manage to do it without, you know, giving them a whole lot of you know annual tax, ticket tax money kicked back to them. Um, but he is kicking back some other things. And, you know, one of them is this, this, the rights to, you know, build over the streets. Um, and the argument is, well, the Cubs are giving money, some money to some public parks and things like that. Um, but the the Cubs are going to be doing that anyway as part of the deal. And so now it's suddenly not a nice gesture on behalf of the Cubs. It's, oh, that's what they're paying us for the street, right to the streets. Is it a huge deal. No, um, you know, but again, it's, it's another way in which, something that Emanuel on the surface is saying, you know, we're not doing a thing for the Cubs, they're doing it all privately. It's not really all privately. It's most privately, which is better than a whole lot of other deals, certainly. Um, but you shouldn't overlook the, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, giving over a public street is a cost. It's a small cost, but it's a cost to the public.
0: Yeah. Uh, since the Cubs don't have to pay for the use of any public streets, why are they paying the $4.7 million to the city and, like, the $3 million or so over the next 10 years for the parks or something like that? Sorry, say again? Oh, why were they paying... Why is the Cubs paying the city the um, basically $4.75 million and then they had an additional $3 million that they were going to pay over the next 10 years? Where? Why was that money uh, given to the city?
1: I don't know, just part of the, part of the deal to, I think, um, uh, compensate the um, neighborhood for, I think it was more night games.
0: Oh. There was some
1: trade-off for that. But, you know, the neighborhood was complaining through this process. That well, one of the things that the Cubs wanted was to be able to play more night games, to have more concerts at Wrigley Field, other things to raise more revenue. And they said, okay, the Cubs will give something back. They'll you know, put some money into some community uh, projects. Um, so again, they're sort of double counting this now. They're saying, okay, this is this is payback for the community, you know, for for its inconvenience, and then this is also payback for to the city for you know giving up streets.
0: Oh, okay, that makes sense. So in the city of Minnesota, the Vikings stadium is going ahead despite major funding gaps that are still not closed yet. Some of the stadium costs uh, are going to be paid back through the suit, use of personal seat licenses. That's something that's been going on at least since the '80s. The prices have been. Um, uh, they have some season ticket holders giving up their seat because they don't want to pay them. I know Yankee Stadium has seats behind the home plate that are empty a lot due to the high price, but have we seen a sports team's fan base just not show up to a new stadium uh, besides Miami Marlins, who had no fan base to start with?
1: No. Not not completely not show up, but okay. you know the Jets and Giants when they built their new stadium, you know despite the fact that you know been a success on a lot of counts, you know they were facing empty seats for the, for a while because they were having trouble selling their uh, their PSLs and they had to wind up discounting them. Um, and it's possible the Vikings may have to as well, um, which you know you then run the risk that your fans who paid you know face value for the PSLs are angry when the people sitting the next section over paid half as much because they got a <laughs> discount later, but. You know, I mean, the, what are they going to do? <laughs> um, and I think, you know, it's it, there's definitely been a lot of pushback on this. Um, there's definitely been, um, you know, a lot of upset that this is, you know, pricing out a lot of fans. But, you know, again, those those Yankee seats, those aren't PSLs. You know, you don't have to pay anything for the right to buy those seats. You just have to pay, like, $2,000 a ticket to sit in them. <laughs> so there are all kinds of different ways of of, you know, uh, pricing fans out of seating, um, and you know I think you know in football you're seeing it more as you know put up the money up front and uh, and buy the rights to the seats and then and then uh, you know you you have that sort of spot on the season ticket line that you can resell later. Whereas another sport, especially baseball, where you know you don't traditionally have years-long waiting lists for tickets so that isn't really a, you know, something of value you can monetize. Instead, they turn around and they say, okay, well, what we're going to do is make all the good seats really, really expensive because we figure there are enough rich people and enough corporations who can write it off as a business expense um, that we can get away with it. And, you know, by and large, they are getting away with it. Again, you know, the Yankees have some empty seats, you know, down below, um, but they have an awful lot of seats that people are paying for as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, presumably it's working out for them. Let's put it
0: that way. Yeah. But if they discount the PSLs for the Vikings, is that more... I mean, I shouldn't worry about this because it's a private funding gap, but that would be a pretty huge funding gap on the Minnesota Vikings side, wouldn't it?
1: Um. What, if they don't manage to sell the PSLs?
0: Well, if they discount the PSLs.
1: If they discount the PSLs, yeah. Yeah gap, but I mean, you know, the Vikings are looking at so much money here, right? Um, you know, they're paying a relatively small chunk of the uh, of the stadium cost, and they're getting so much back, and they're getting, you know, uh, freedom from property taxes and everything. I mean, the total value of the subsidy is... Actually, the public subsidy is actually more than the total cost of the stadium construction. Oh, wow! So when you start from that point, it's really <laughs> hard to lose money as a private team. So yeah, if they if they don't sell the PSLS at full value, they won't make as much money as they expected. But I expect it'll be a matter of their. Their windfall being smaller, rather than them suddenly, you know, having to uh, having to dip into their pockets and, and lose money on the deal.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we'll just leave off with the fact that I enjoyed what was uh what was this comment like? It was like angry Minnesotans rise up with pitchforks, and they were like, "Oh, shucks, our mayor is just silly." <laughs> He <laughs> was, like, was like, wow, that's Venom from Minnesota or something like that?
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember what it was. It was something where they, uh, where, where people in Minnesota were calling it, you know. It was sort of a, you know, gee golly, this is unacceptable. <laughs> um, and that was that was a little outrage in, in Minnesota. But, you know, um, it, there was another story about uh, a guy in, uh, one of the people running for uh, mayor in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, I believe, who, like, took off his shoes and threw them on the table um, and said, "You might as well take my shoes. You're taking everything else." Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's entertaining to watch all of the, the upset around it. But again, I think I think what you said is, is correct. It's, you know, on some level, um, you know, this isn't the part to get upset about. You know, if people weren't being asked for PSLs, if they if they cut the PSLs or eliminated the PSLs, the Vikings would presumably find some way to extract that money from fans if fans you know, have that money to spend and are willing to pay that much for Vikings tickets, you know? Yeah. Um, it's basically just a way of getting fans to front the money now so that the Vikings can go and spend it on the stadium rather than having to figure out a way to sell tickets for more over time. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not the part to get upset about. The part to get upset about is, you know, money... that. To- Fan, Vikings fans and other Minnesotans agree paying year after year after year in taxes towards the stadium and getting absolutely nothing for it because they don't even get something that they can then sell to the next sucker down the road.
0: He definitely. The guy with the sh- take off his shoes, I thought the paragraph said something like he's allegedly running for mayor or something like that. It, it
1: reportedly. Reportedly. It was, it was that's it was right. like one of the people reportedly running for mayor, <laughs> apparently uh, in Minneapolis, it's not only difficult for uh, the newspapers to report on how much the stadium is costing, it's difficult for them to even report on who's running for mayor. <laughs>
0: That's pretty amazing. Is it like a runoff collect- election like California had for governor, and there was like a hundred candidates, including a former parn star and Arianna Huffington? Or
1: I don't think it's quite that bad. It's probably still, still early in the game, and we've had some uh, some entertaining people in New York running for mayor. As <laughs> yeah. well. I remember a guy when I was a kid who. Uh, used to roller skate around my neighborhood wearing a duck mask and hand out cards for oh, his, uh, awesome. his mayoral candidacy for the little people's fun party. Oh, um, He probably would have ended up in the New York Times as reportedly running for mayor.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a guy that said the rent's too damn high and, yeah, you know, there's the rent is too damn high guy. Is, he, he was definitely running
1: for mayor. <laughs> he, you know, he, 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 you know, managed to actually get, uh, get official certification.
0: Yeah. And the will leave off with this, although um, poor attendance isn't a complete sign of, uh, the indicator of franchise health. The Indians sold fewer tickets in 2013, but made 20% more money. They use a system called dynamic ticket pricing. How likely are we uh, going to see this occur- uh, spread across other sport- to other sports teams?
1: I think we're going to see it more and more, and it's it, it's a little tough to understand. Basically, the idea is it's like um, you know airline tickets, right? You know, airline tickets. It's not like there's one price for the ticket, um, and you you know just pay it. But you know it's going to go up and down over time with demand, um, or you know like some of those discount bus lines where like you know, uh, you know the first ticket sold is for a different price, you know, whereas if you wait till the last minute, you're going to end up uh, end up paying more. Um, the uh, the uh, you know the, so uh, the Indians have been using this and actually managed to bring in more money this way. I think the 20% more is also a fact that they've just stopped giving away tickets at steep discounts. Um, But, um, you know, definitely the Indians are at the forefront of some of these marketing ideas as we talked about in the past, and I think you're going to see other teams following their lead and other teams' lead in terms of trying to figure out, you know, the old way of selling tickets of just, you know, set a price and everybody pays the same regardless of when it is and who the opponent is. Um, clearly isn't the way of making the most money or of necessarily pricing tickets the best for demand. Yeah. So I think you know, we're already seeing teams looking to things like Subhub and saying, hey, you know, look at what people are actually willing to pay. In some cases, we're pricing things too high because you know, people don't want to pay for that game. In other cases, we're leaving money on the table. Um, so I think we are going to absolutely see more and more of this over the years. And I think, you know, in some cases it will benefit fans because we'll get more discounts to games that uh, otherwise might not sell out.
0: Uh And
1: in other cases, if, you know, teams are going to realize, oh, we can charge you even more,
0: excellent. (laughs) Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to really, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees for the fans that are transplanted to other cities, like I saw Red Sox versus uh, Rockies game, and there was a lot of transplanted uh, Boston fans Going to Coors Field, I have a feeling that that kind of a game will be priced higher, just so that they know that even though the Rockies are in the toilet, Red Sox still fans still want to see their team.
1: And it already is to some degree. You know? Yeah, I mean, you can get Mets tickets for like you know pennies, but <laughs> uh, if the Mets are playing the Yankees, you know, suddenly it's you know, a tremendous amount of money. Yeah. Um. So I think that uh, yeah, you're you're already seeing some experimenting with it, but I think if you know if if you're you know, local team that you're a fan of has not not done it yet. They will soon.
0: Oh, definitely. Neil DeMoss, he runs a blog and wrote a book called com. He joins us every Tuesday morning at 8, and uh, go have a fun day, and we'll see you, talk to you next week. You too, see you next week. Okay, this is Heather McCoy Show.